Hi, this is Marcia Epstein, and this is Talk With Me on LawrenceHits.com. Sitting around the table in Lawrence, Kansas, getting ready for an interesting conversation, because <laughs> that's what we do here. Today is my guest, Torian Charles. We get together. You'll hear about different kinds of performing things, some things about race and social justice. Who knows exactly where we'll go? It'll be <laughs> some serious. It'll be some fun. So I'm glad you can join us. It'll always be entertaining, that's for sure. (laughs) That's your job, right? That's my job. (laughs) Hello. It's been a little while. It has been. I'm so so happy to be back. For people who haven't heard you, uh, we haven't haven't listened to one of the shows before when you're on, tell people a little bit about you. Okay, well, um, so for those who haven't heard, I was born and raised here in Lawrence, Kansas, and graduated Free State, which I loved. Got a scholarship. For drama to NYU because I've always been dramatic. <laughs> they just like saw me come into the audition and they're like, yes, you probably need to be in theater. <laughs> it's the only thing that's going to save you. So got a scholarship to NYU, went to Tisch School of the Arts, which was amazing. Studied at the Stella Adler Studio for, four, for three years and then went to Stone Street for film. And graduated with a, uh, my BFA in, in uh, fine arts and drama and a minor in media, culture, and communications, just in case. <laughs> Flew out to LA and did some work there and uh, went through the auditioning real like la la land. <laughs> and I saw that yesterday morning and I was like, yes, I was nostalgic. No, I didn't see myself in any of the characters, but. <laughs> I did enjoy the film, and I thought, yes, that was me going to those auditions and being disappointed and <laughs> getting some auditions and getting some, you know, bits and pieces of roles, getting background roles and things and small shows like on ABC. You know, but, you know I'm you different. That, one of the things that, that I I see as a lesson for life, and I hear artists of different kinds say it a lot, is that mm. you get to success through failure. Mm-hmm. You don't get to just success, 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 success. J.K. Rowling says it best. I, I've said it best I, uh, since I've heard it. Uh-huh. She was speaking, I think, at Harvard, um, the commencement speech, and she quoted that um, if you don't fail in life, it's because you've lived so carefully that you shouldn't have lived at all. <laughs> oh, <laughs> <laughs> and I love that line because she's talked, I mean, she, I don't know if you know her, her story, but she had so many struggles prior to her amazing success with Harry Potter. And so, and that was an interview with Oprah that she did where she talked about being on welfare, being as she said, as poor as you can be in England without being homeless. Mm-hmm. And she wrote the story out of kind of desperation, just n- not even for money, but for kind of just like sanity. Mm-hmm. She was cl- diagnosed with clinical depression, which a lot of actors, performers, and entertainers go through themselves. And fortunately, sometimes that doesn't go away because even when you get the success, the paranoia of keeping it, I think kind of even, I read an article this morning that's kind of going on going on that is businesses even who are successful and you know the billionaires there's a 60 percent turnover rate for billionaires each year because the ones who stay static and think oh i've made it so i can't change i can't you know they you know, don't succeed. Whereas the ones who are paranoid about change. Well, they're kind of well set if they're already billionaires. That's true. I mean, they're (laughs) never going to be poor. That's for sure. But, you know, they might not end up on the Forbes list next year, Marsha. Come on. How devastating would that be? (sighs) They have to take down that mantle. (laughs) They get to keep the house, though. But, yeah, so I think that, yes, failure is so important to realize you know, it's it, it realize in life uh-huh. because you're going to fail at something. Uh-huh. I mean, unless I mean, I, I mean, even our our um, wonderful president Donald. <laughs> so sorry, I have to say it with jest, but you know, he talks about failures and things, and it's interesting because I read his book years ago before I even knew he would even consider being president, and. It was the one that he was like shadowed by this acclaimed biographer who later said that he had to make up a lot of things. 
things to like make him seem even better. He was like, I saw blatant lies. <laughs> like he would say, oh, the construction's going great. And then go back to the person and say, why isn't it going, why is it falling apart, <laughs> you know, on the other line? So I just think that, you know, no matter who you are, no matter where you're coming from, you know, people born in great with great wealth even experience failure at times. Luckily, they have a safety net to fall back on. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I think that people, even in, you know, my position who I was on a winning streak in a sense, you know, I got to NYU. I had a great time in high school, which as, you know, to go slightly off topic, but kind of on topic as a gay black male in Kansas, you know, before even it was very, very popular to kind of like acknowledge that that's that needs to be changed not that it's been changed and not that it's like you know we're in the, in the best place possible but i will say my little sister for instance is so open to her gay friends and to you know the gay community at large lgbt community and a whole there's it just doesn't it seems so organic to her whereas i felt like a lot of people had to kind of work to accept me but they never, I was lucky in the sense that they never ostracized me the way that I saw it being done to other people. Mm -hmm. So I was, I had a really good time in high school. And then I had a really amazing experience in New York. I was broke at times, but I was living the life of an actor. I was given parts because of my my personality, my character, you know, I, you know, it was a time they thought, oh, it's very interesting to see, you know, this gay black actor and he has like this big personality. I was at the hypercontract off off Broadway and I was living on the floor in Brooklyn at the time, paying five hundred dollars a rent and half of my food stamps, <laughs> and taking an hour into the uh, on train from in bed from Bed Stuy to Manhattan my senior year. Working full time, going to school full time at studio eight hours a day, doing an internship at the public theater, and then rehearsing, and I just loved it. And you know, it was like I was. How many people in my position can say that they were able to come from Kansas and you know come from you know being in a position where they could have been very ostracized, you know, could have been very you know upset with life, upset with you know, their circumstance so much so that they were became static, which I have, you know, since my failures and I have experienced, you know, because after New York, I went to LA, during LA, you know the story. <laughs> I had an experience that, you know, not many people have. And not the best way possible. Right. With, and with the legal system, yeah. 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 And so it kind of it it took me on a different journey and a different pathway in that yeah. I've come home and since then I have believed in retrospect recently that I have been in a kind of scared place to like kind of experience the same kind of emotion and vulnerability uh -huh. as I did before. Uh -huh. Because I think I was a bit naive about you know what to expect when i you know went to la after graduating nyu because i had had this amazing experience and so yeah i'm an actor i went i came from kansas went to nyu went to la experienced the ups and downs of that auditioned loved that i really actually did loving love going to you know while i'm going to the auditions whether i got the part or not i just like i felt like oh my gosh i'm an actor you know i'm in los angeles i'm you know and i'm i had a crummy job but it was on sunset boulevard and you know you could see the hollywood sign and it was just so surreal uh -huh. if you can imagine and you know so that was amazing and coming home was necessary for me and i'm glad i did now I can say that, but, but you're ready to launch it. I am. I'm. I'm in a in any way possible. Yeah. Like I'm just ready to be. Yeah. You know, I'm. I've kind of come into myself a little bit more, yeah. and I realized I I wasn't 
I wasn't really ready. You know, I mean, Meryl Streep didn't do her first film until 28. Let's remember that. (laughs) Speaking of Meryl Streep. Speaking of Meryl Streep. that we're recording this the day after the Oscars. Yes, her 20th nomination. Let's talk about that. I want to open that whole Oscars conversation because this is your world. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. And I was taking notes last night. (laughs) I was crying. I was, you know, I was crying alongside every other African-American when Viola Davis was giving that amazing speech about exhuming the bodies and, yeah. you know, representing them in art. And that's why she became an artist. And she, my favorite quote was when she said that acting or performing entertainment is the only uh, career that celebrates what it was to live a life. Uh-huh. You know, my friend goes, what about doctors? And I was like, no, they save lives. It's not necessarily a celebration of living a life, <laughs> you know? And then, you know, not to doctors, thank God for them, but it's, it's different, you know? Yeah, and so we tell stories about people who, you know, would not normally be told. And that's not, all, that hadn't always been the case, of course. And the other day has made a point to point that out, you know, especially with people of color. Mm-hmm. And I saw Lion, for instance, which was, amazing i saw that on saturday and i wept beginning to end i mean i'm not giving anything away when i say obviously the movie is about her a child who was lost and then adopted lost in india where i believe eighty thousand children are lost each year is what they say at the end of the film which astounded me and he was adopted into a white family in tasmania raised australian and then went back and found his family so it's like almost a three-part film, kind of like Moonlight, which we'll get to. <laughs> and I just wept the whole time. I mean, like, I thought this year's Oscar nomi- nominations were all really kind of dead dead on. They were really, really good. And I saw La La Land yesterday morning. Like I said, definitely related to the experience of the, you know, the performers, the premise of the, the movie, if you will. Not so much the um, the characters, mm-hmm. you know. I obviously, when I went to LA, I didn't have a Prius. <laughs> if you've seen the movie, Emma Stone's living in a cute apartment with the Prius, and she's, <laughs> you know, she goes home, and her family's, you know, it's like one of those things where the family hasn't moved anything from when she was in high school. <laughs> My mom sold the house as soon as I left college. <laughs> I didn't tell you where she moved next, right? <laughs> so, no, exactly. She downsized, and I was, and it was just a surprise to me, yeah. you know. So that was very. It was. I mean, yes. No, it was a great movie. Not the big, my. I'm not personally the biggest fan of musicals and movies. To be honest, I'm, I'm a huge Broadway fan, and I have my select films that are, are musicals. Obviously, all the classics, the Mary Poppins, the Sound of Music, those you can't, you know, deny them. But new age musicals, you have to really hit me. It has to be a really good storyline and really good acting. Like, I love, like, Chicago. I really loved and I actually really liked Moulin Rouge, for instance. And that's probably more because I love Ibrahim Gregor. <laughs> I have to admit that. <laughs> so, you know, it's it was an amazing night, I will say, for uh, diversity. You know, I talked about Lion, which was about, like Meryl Streep said at the Golden Globes, you know, uh, Dev Patel, who plays the main character in um, Lion, is playing a character who was born in India, raised in Tasmania, and returns to India to find his family, whereas Dev Patel is born, I can't remember, I believe he's born and raised in London. So he is, it's totally different retrospect <laughs> and you know she talked there's just so much diversity Ruth Nega who was nominated for best actress and of course we never had a African-American woman win best actress other than Holly Berry who's biracial you know we have to acknowledge that you know I, they did the montage I was telling you and my friends did not realize that there's never been a black woman you know, winning. And they saved Holly Berry for last because I had told them that and they were just like, wait, I, you could see the anticipation when they were doing all the past winners. They were just waiting to see a black woman to prove me wrong. <laughs> and then, and it's just one clip of Holly Berry and it was like, yes, they always have to do that. 
<laughs> you know, so at least it's not hashtag, you know, os- white Oscars like it was last year. Because this year we had Moonlight, which I saw and was really, at, I mean, obviously as a black gay man living in, you know, not, I mean, Lawrence is amazing, but Kansas as a whole can have its issues with, you know, the LGBT community. And I think that my family being Southern and me living, having lived in Southern states, I went to high school at one point in Dallas and I, my family's from Mississippi. So, you know, in the movie, the characters are from the, the projects of Miami. And it's it's a coming age story about a gay black male. I mean, where and when has that ever happened or gotten money? And Barry Jenkins, the director, you know, said that his first budget was thirteen thousand dollars. And nothing. Nothing. Yeah. Oh my gosh. For film. Like, where is he gonna film? Yeah. <laughs> what is he gonna film? That's yeah. that's the, that's the documentary short, <laughs> if that you know, and. Um, what was it? A24, the studio, I think that's what it's called, or 24A or something of that nature, gave them a million dollars more uh-huh. and, and because they believed in the story. And he couldn't thank them enough during his after after winning speech. You know, they had the conference, but of course there was that interesting moment. <laughs> Where, you know, our wonderful Warren Beatty and the great Faye Dunaway, <laughs> my mommy dearest, came out and announced the winner as La La Land. And, you know, what was so funny about that moment is just that I was so prepared for them to win La La Land. Mm-hmm. And I said, oh, could they just say it because it's 11? <laughs> and I was ready to go home. And we, you know, we had sat through this whole award show. I was happy because, it, you know, Marshall Ali had won the first award for Moonlight. He was amazing. And he's just like the sweetest man you can tell. And, you know, and he's, every time he talks, it's so wonderful. He, like, he has such a good story and he's such a reverence to the people he's speaking to, no matter who he's talking to, which is so great. And I just think he's wonderful. And Viola Davis had won, which made me, I mean, like, I was like, this is an amazing night. <laughs> and her speech was obviously amazing. And so I was just so happy. And then, you know, and so, <laughs> you know, I, they had Lala and 14 nominations, tied as the most in history. And it won five up to that point, I believe, or, or six, six because of Emma Stone, but one, deservingly so, I will say. She was really great in the film. I mean, I knew she, I assumed she would win, and that was kind of the consensus, I think, around the board. I thought that Ryan Gosling would win. That was a big shock that Casey Affleck beat him. I, you could see the shock in Casey Affleck's face, <laughs> you know? And so I was so prepared for La La, to, La La Land to win Best Picture. And so when they called Best Picture, and I was like, oh, yes, of course. And the awkward moment Warren Beatty was just like, looked at the envelope and like re-looked at it again and we're all like is he trying to be funny <laughs> is he trying to like do a, like a little stick shtick that didn't really like pan out and Faye Dunaway's like yeah impossible I just loved her and so she's just like and he like you could tell he did not want to read that because <laughs> he was so confused about it and we later learned that it said best actress um Emma West Stone, so they gave him the wrong envelope. But all they done a way saw was La La Land, and so she just announced it. And it was just two minutes of third and thirty-four seconds of speeches from La La Land, and then all of a sudden, <laughs> you see this, the the producers run on stage with their mics and things. And I mean, at that moment, you know something's interesting going on, but there's five other movies that's been nominated yeah. for it, so you have no idea what's coming. Yeah. And so when they said there's been a mistake, it, it, God, who was it? I have this, the producer for um, for um, La La Land, who I think is the most gracious person, you know, they like have been on the road with La La Land, Adam Horowitz. 
he produced all that. And he's just, he gave the first speech of the night and he, uh, 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 when he won, when he found out that it was Moonlight, those had actually been winners. He was so, you know, there to get, and he was so like strong <laughs> and very almost foreboding about it. He was just, he ripped the envelope out of Warren Beatty's hand and turned it around and said, it's Moonlight. I'm not joking. This is not a joke. Come up and give your get your award. And Jimmy Kimmel, God bless him. <laughs> you know, he's been so nervous about hosting. He's been talking about how nervous he was and 200 million people and, you know, countries around the world watching. I'd be nervous too this morning in the Super Bowl. And so <laughs> when he he's like, oh, well, I wish I could just give you all Oscars. And Adam Horace was like, no, I'm so happy to give this to my friend, Barry Jenkins. <laughs> and so, I mean, it, it was so heartwarming and, and, and dramatic. And it was just everything that you could hope for in, <laughs> in that moment, my goodness. I mean, some people, I read the New York Times this morning and they said, well, it kind of maybe took away from that moment where it could have been moonlight, where it's like, oh, you know, wow, they beat, oh, well, but I almost thought it turned out better. It reminded me almost of Adele's speech at the Grammys when she won and she, I couldn't, I can't possibly accept this award, <laughs> you know, and she rips it because Beyonce's the artist of her life, you know, it's like, I almost think that's better than winning unless <laughs> you get that kind of, you know, recognition and uh, the dedication. And so in this case, they did win, which was wonderful and which was surprising for a movie that started out with a $13,000 budget and about a topic that is immensely taboo in so many ways. I mean, from poverty in Miami to um, raising a child as a drug addict, play, um, gosh, the actress name slips me, who's amazing. She was Naomi Harris, nominated last night. Her role, that movie made me weep. Thought she was really amazing. Of course, I thought Viola Davis deserved it, so I went to the right person. But, you know, and then, of course, the story about a gay black boy being raised in the ghetto and having to come to terms with that. I, it hit me. I was not prepared even when I watched it, I, to be honest. And I still think about it. And I still think about the fact that it's a true story about this. I can't think of his, his first name's Terrell. I can't think of his last name. But um, yeah, I just, he wrote this story with such truth. And he talked about how Barry Jenkins, when he was readapting it, put his truth into it too. And you could just feel the authenticity of the movie when you watched it. And as a black gay man who, you know, wasn't born to privilege, obviously, and who, you know, have experienced some kind, you know, in the movie, I will say, Naomi Harris's character, the mother, was so vehemently against her son's sexual orientation. And, you know, not to go into too much detail, I did have that in my family. You know, as you know, I come from a large family from the South. My mom's one of 18 children, staunchly religious and Baptist Christianity. And I was raised in the church, you know, from the day I was born. I've gone to the same church since I'm born. And I've recently had felt as uncomfortable in church, you know, as coming out as myself more and more and more and more and more. And that was, uh, that happened over the last few years. And I think that that would kind of shook me. And after everything that happened in Los Angeles as well, but now I'm kind of like coming into myself, which is great. But you see that in the movie too. And it's kind of, it was such a reflection. And they talked about how even in Germany, when they, they screened it in Germany, someone stood up and they said 30 minutes in, they didn't see Chiron, they saw themselves. Chiron's the character in the movie who's gay. And, you know, it's, it resonated around the world mm -hmm. to people. I mean, on a, a story, that is so, you know, new age in a sense, but 
has been happening <laughs> since the beginning of time, but finally getting recognition. Hopefully, as they mentioned, it it opens the door for more stories of that kind, mm-hmm. and you know, allows for you know the those who can't speak to be able to speak now yeah. because it really I mean it made me walk a little bit you know with my head up more today even you know because I don't have to feel ashamed and I and I I felt I felt that way for a while obviously and you know people would say that in high school oh well, you seem so confident a lot of it was faking it until I made it of course yeah. But there's so many people who are not in the same position and who have to, you know, feel as though they have to hide their identity in so many ways. And I understand 100% why they do feel that way. And so I hope that films like this and I hope that stories like this continue to be made because I can feel the liberation you wrote, you posted a wonderful quote by Maya Angelou yesterday on Facebook, and it was Love Liberates. And I had, what was so coincidental about that is I did laundry, finally. <laughs> and while I was doing laundry, before I even read your quote, I was watching snippets of um, Maya Angelou's interview, last interview with Oprah on Super Soul Sunday. And she was talking about how love is the most powerful energy in the universe and she you know because oprah had asked her do you think you're wise yet and she was like well i think i'm getting there (laughs) this is her in her 80s of course she's wise you know it's my doctor my angela but you know she's like i'm wise enough to know that love is the most powerful energy she was like and i don't know how and i don't know why but i know it is and i just loved it so then I saw your quote and I was just like, I don't know why all of this happens at once to me, <laughs> but it does. And when you watch, when I watched the Oscars last night, almost all of the films had a, that was the thread that love is the most powerful energy. And, you know, from Lion to Moonlight to La La Land, love of, a love of performing, love of art. Love, you know, he, <laughs> Ryan Gosling has a wonderful line. He wants to bring jazz back alive. And, you know, he loves music. And it's just such a, I mean, it transcended everything for him. And, you know, his sister comes and she's like, you're living in poverty. What are you doing here? He, all he sees is, you know, the possibilities. And that's love. He loves what he was doing. I mean, it's why I feel about art. Like I tell you, I get antsy when I'm not performing. You know, I end up performing on the streets, <laughs> like, <laughs> like walking to work. I'm like, I end up turning into characters, and I don't even realize it. My friends make. I'm not. I'm not kidding, Marsha. My friends make fun of me. I like whip back my fake hair, and they're like, "There's nothing there." And I, like, that's what you think. <laughs> but it is true. I do, you know, you it's love for people, love for your what you do. In my in my case, it's art and love for yourself and who you are and accepting yourself. Those are the stories that need to be told right now, especially yes. in this volatile time. Yes. You know, especially when, you know, we're trying to renege rights that were made before you know it's when you're when they're saying if you're transgender you now have to use the bathrooms that you were born you know as yeah i mean and i had so many people talk to me about that and i don't know really what (laughs) i'm a magnet towards it because i think i just like walk around like looking (laughs) not necessarily looking for you know those kind of stories, but I get them. And I have a transgender friend who knows someone who had a horrible experience immediately. And I had another colleague 
who had a daughter, a, a foster daughter. I'm sure you've had experiences because it's not oh. just about trans people. It's also about people whose gender isn't obvious. Obvious. Else. We're going to take just a little break here. Yeah. Um, and I'll tell a story when to, we get back. Okay. <laughs> it's it's going to move from, from the movies and the power of movies yeah. in terms of letting us understand ourselves better, you know, messages that come through film that people need that don't sometimes come to them other places, which mm -hmm. is beautiful. And then very well spoken by that overrated, overrated actress Meryl Streep. <laughs> <laughs> so we're gonna hear from a couple of the Lawrence, Kansas businesses that sponsor LawrenceHits.com. And I get to thank Daniel Smith who produces this show. Thanks, Daniel. And then we will be right back with more Talk With Me and Tari and LaCharles. Welcome back to Talk With Me with, this is Marcia Epstein with Tari and LaCharles. And before the break, we were talking a lot about movies and the power of movies to communicate messages that people really need to hear, particularly people who are in vulnerable positions, vulnerable communities, to be able to know you're not alone. And we kind of transitioned from there into talking a little bit about the whole concept of gender and what happens when people are not validated for the gender they are when they're challenged in some ways and how kind of scary that is. Uh, one, one little thing I wanted to mention about that is this great article that a friend of mine had shared and you will find it on the Facebook page, Anniversary of Goodness, where I reshared it to, to remind people that there are things that happen when a person is not identified by somebody who thinks it's their business, um, mm. not identified as the the gender that mm. that person identifies as. And that's not only an issue for people who are transgender, mm. it's an, uh, something that has happened to people I know who just are not just, who are mistaken by other people for not fitting the stereotypes of men look like this, women look like this, only people who look like that belong in that bathroom. And if you're you sitting across there, from one, <laughs> yeah, it's just a terrible thing. And so um, we need to learn, you know, the article I posted, because either you need to understand better than you do. Um, and it's, and it will help you in that. Or if you're one of those people who's experienced that scary, mm. all these scary and sometimes violent things that have happened because somebody claims to know your gender better than you do. Then, then I hope that you'll find it validating and hope that having more people understand will be helpful to you personally. Yeah, no, I'm, I to pick up on that, it's just I was all I was had an experience recently where I was at a clinic and I was going into the male's bath, male bathroom, and this guy started to say, Oh, that's the male's bathroom, that's the men's, that's sir, ma'am, what <laughs> you know, so confused. Uh -huh. And I stopped and I turned around and I looked and I realized he was talking to me and I made no kind of expression because I'm I'm numb to it at this point. Uh -huh. You know, I have to be in a sense because you you know what it is. I don't want to make the people around me uncomfortable. And I was at an event recently at KU where friend of mine and uh, we've talked about how it's hard it's even harder for the people around you your friends you yeah. know who have to experience it with you and watch you go through it because like, you have you, to know what's safe for this person. what do you say yeah. you know when you're when you're at the restaurant and the waitress says ma'am how can i take your order i don't i personally have not garnered the <laughs> strength to be but to just say i'm it's sir but thank you I shouldn't, I mean, it shouldn't be that difficult, but it's almost like, why is there such an assumption? <laughs> and my friends always say, I never thought you were a woman. I never ever thought you were a woman. And so we went to this gala kind of um, party at, K at KU and everyone was referring to me as he and sh or she rather. And even people have, who have, I've met two or three times, and she, my friend finally got kind of fed up about it and started to correct people. Uh -huh. And in the moment, it made not only them uncomfortable, but it made me uncomfortable, to be quite, quite honest, because it definitely kills a conversation that's <laughs> just beginning, in a sense, when the person feels kind of like embarrassed about the fact that they just assumed. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, they'll never assume again, maybe. <laughs> 
<laughs> so I appreciate the fact, I, I appreciate what she's trying to do, what she was trying to do rather. And so then later I, she would say, oh, well, this person was talking to me and they were asking about you. And it was uh, one of those moments where I'm, I was the only black person in the room and the only gay person in the room which means there's only black gay person in the room. And you can, you can imagine that happens often <laughs> where I live. <laughs> and so, and the places I go, because I'm really open to going, you know, I'm not like in, in my community only, you know, and by in my community, I mean the black community only. And so I like, I'm an actor, I'm an artist. And so I like to put myself in different situations because the one job of an actor is to get into the lives of others and show others how that feels male streets verbiage you know mm-hmm. exactly so when she said that she you know was correcting people without me being there i felt better about that and almost i i actually appreciated that uh-huh. because then when i came up to them they knew yeah and there wasn't that moment and they made an effort i could tell to not make it uncomfortable and i always make it an effort to make it uncomfortable but the worst part is it's like my daily life is work (laughs) to like express i mean like i can't just be ever you know it's always kind of like i will tell you and this surprises me and i don't know if this if it's because they think I want to be referred to as she, but I have a supervisor at work who's known me for three plus years now, mm-hmm. who still refers me, to me as she. And I had crutches the other day and she, she was making fun of me and we were jesting about it because I had sprained my ankle jogging and she's, well, there she is being dramatic again. Don't give her any mind, you know? And I'm, I'm uncomfortable because is she saying it so like definitely <laughs> definitively i should say and there's so many people around and now everyone's confused <laughs> yeah it's really complicated you know i mean everyone's yeah. confused does yeah. does is it a boy is it a girl yeah. does if yeah. it's a boy does he re- does he refer to himself as she yeah should i refer you know yeah. and so then my defenses are down in a sense because I don't, I mean, like, I don't know if I can, if I have the energy to correct every single person, right. you know, or to even, like, deal with the energy that yeah. comes with yeah. that, you yeah. know, knowing that everyone's Yeah, and so to something. me, you know, part of the message there is for people who are your friends, for people who, who really know you, um, they have the responsibility to ask you, you know, what you know, do you what, think what, they yeah, do? Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And it may be, it depends on where we are, you know? It is. And so you have to follow my lead. I mean, I, I had that kind of conversation with a friend who was misgendered when we were at a downtown coffee place and the, the server was, uh, the cashier person was being really nice. Always said, nice. You know, you know, what can I get you, you ladies, or whatever it mm-hmm. was that, that he said. And I looked at my friend and didn't get a reaction, so I didn't say anything. So afterwards, I said, you know, I, I felt uncomfortable mm-hmm. with that happening, always, but I didn't want to say anything do. unless you felt comfortable, so I didn't. What should I do in the future, you know? So we talked about that. And then in a different way, you know, I mean, we've we've joked many what times What was about, their response, though? I'm so well, interested. appreciation, and, you know, in, in that case, okay. I mean, it's, it's kind of that. I mean, depends. I do, yeah, I definitely. It depends on where you are. I just but but know. I think about, you know, the, the first night I met you, which was at that performance of the spark and the yo-yo guy needing a person That's to do the right. trick with. Oh gosh, yes. And him saying to me, I mean, I, I volunteered, long story short, I volunteered to go on stage to do this dangerous yo-yo trip, which actually did injure me. <laughs> Let's not forget that. This <laughs> professional. No, he's great. Um, Blaine or I don't remember. Yeah, it's something. He's very. I mean, he's very actually known in the yeah. yo-yoing world. But <laughs> it's true, people. You can look him up. It's I'm sure thing. it's not hard real to find thing. him. International competitions. <laughs> just, just Google yo-yo champions in Kansas. Uh, <laughs> or maybe Missouri. Maybe he's from Missouri. Maybe Missouri. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure he'll pop up in the Midwest someplace. 
But he's wonderful. And um, he's going on tour to like Switzerland, which is crazy. <laughs> I'm like, gosh, it's really popular. But um, he uh, asked for an, an audience member to come on stage. And I volunteered to come on stage to do the stunt. And he's like, prepare me for the stunt and tell me not to worry. And I should have because he hit me. But <laughs> and he's like, you know, I've never done this on a woman before. And he's whispering this. Uh-huh. So it's just me and him and everyone else in the crowd who can yeah. actually hear because there's a microphone and you're up front. <laughs> and so everyone actually heard this, you know, this correspondence going yes. down, this repertoire. And so I go, well, I'm not a woman, I'm a man. And he goes, what? And I go, I'm a man. And he goes, no, you're not. <laughs> I mean, someone had told my mother. <laughs> <laughs> gosh, I've been confused this whole time, but I knew it. <laughs> no, he goes, no, you're not. And I go, I am. I'm just a very beautiful one. <laughs> Which I get, came to me immediately. And, you know, it was, perfect. it was so perfect for the moment. And he's so cute, which was so, you know, at a moment for me. And I was waiting for his response and it couldn't be better. He looks at me and goes, you really are. <laughs> yes, you are. And I was ready for any yo-yo trick that he was ready to perform. So um, I hope he listens to this. I know he's in a relationship and he has a girlfriend, so I'm not trying to steal him. I just want to say that that really made me happy. In the moment. So sometimes when I'm misgendered, if it comes with a really delightful compliment, you know, I appreciate that. Other times, maybe it's a bit more embarrassing because not for me so much anymore, mainly for the persons that I have to correct or who are corrected later or, you know, it's or my friends who are with me, they feel uncomfortable, like you said. And so it's it's that's still something to think about. I mean, because I have thought, should I start to take it back some, like my appearance, my, you know, flamboyancy in a sense. Not that I don't even call it flam- being flamboyant because I just consider it just being myself, uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, because sometimes I have a big personality and sometimes I'm, you know, up and sometimes I'm kind of just really mellow. You know, it's not something that can be stereotyped anymore because I think that everyone has those moments where they are, you know, bigger you know, mm-hmm. personality, and sometimes they're just down. I mean, there are people who are just simply like always mellow, mm-hmm. you know. But you know, it's just I did think about dialing it back some. I think about that all the time, actually. Not did I think about it all the time, but then I end up getting earrings <laughs> every single time. I think, oh, I'm going to dial it back some. I'm like, I think I should buy a wig. <laughs> like literally right now I'm in the process of looking for extensions that will look good on me you know and not be too because I actually do think about my appearance in the terms of being exactly uh, being androgynous not being like look, I don't want to look like a woman in a sense nor do I like want to look like a stereotypical man of course you know I don't I, whatever that is, you know, my mom always wanted me to wear suits all the time. And I'm just like, you know, and at her wedding, we've tried on so many suits for me and um, cause I was best man. And she, you know, we, it was so many arguments about just like the inseam. <laughs> I mean, like we were there for hours talking about how like loose it was or like, and I'm like, it needs to be tighter. And she's like, no, 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 you know? <laughs> and I'm just like, I finally just gave in to her to be quite honest because it was her wedding. And I was just like, you know, fine, you know, but I felt uncomfortable in that, you know, and she knew it. So I don't think she'll be upset about me saying this on radio, but I did feel uncomfortable. I mean, as an actor, you are in costume all the time. So I pulled it off, but <laughs> yes, I didn't, that, that wouldn't have been my look if I had been able to choose. And so I know that I can't be that traditional, you know, kind of like whatever they think a man should look like, you know, to dress like, you know, I can't be Trump with my long ties and my, 
<laughs> you know, that's not the look I'm going for. <laughs> you know, and that you know everyone has their own kind of you know look and they what they feel comfortable in. And some people don't think about that at all. They just like they think about yes, exactly what they feel comfortable in. Whereas I actually like fashion. Like it's just me. I do like fashion, and I do like you know style. <laughs> Unfortunately, is a is also a double edged sword because there's a stereotype around that with gay men, you know. And I remember a colleague at work, actually a person in HR, one of my previous jobs. When I told her I was moving to Los Angeles to pursue acting, she said to me, "Oh no, honey, Los Angeles is going to eat you alive." She's like, she said, "You need to stay here and do what you do best: style and and um, interior design." <laughs> What? Have I never told you that story? Yes. I mean, I will never forget that moment. And 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 then she asked me to decorate her home. I have never told her I I decorate anything. I was like, have you even seen my room? I mean, and to be fair, I do like decorating in a sense, but not in like I'm not like let me pick out like fabrics. Like, I'm just like, I like a comfortable space, but I'm very simple. Like I just like, like white candles, white curtains. Like, I mean, if everyone wants their house like completely in white, because you know, it's just simple, white, black and blue. It's just, I just go for a color scheme and it, you know. But I've never once been like, do you know, I just really would love to get into that house. And just, I could see, you know, but that's what she literally said. Hollywood would eat me alive. And that I should stay in Kansas and do what I do best, style and interior design. Which, you know, (laughs) in a way, I was obviously um, flattered that she thought that I was really good at style. Because that is something that I, like, presented every day. I do think about my outfit things and went to work and, you know, everyone else is wearing sweatpants and... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you know, tennis shoes, and I don't even own a pair of tennis shoes, which is why I sprained my ankle last week when I tried to run in the sun for the first time in like six months. <laughs> so, but you did wear running shoes to. I did wear okay. running shoes Just to run. They weren't thing. even mine. I had to borrow them, <laughs> and so. <laughs> I don't even know if they were my size. I was just like, I'm going to run today. <laughs> Never again. But <laughs> yeah, so I, it's just not my thing to, you know, wear running shoes, wearing jogging pants and things. But at the same time, I don't want to be put in a box as <laughs> what I do best as a gay man. Obviously, I should be decorating homes and dressing women. <laughs> You know, I what? Well, what, what am I thinking? Hollywood acting. There, yeah. what? What movie were you gonna be in? And I'm like, I should call her and be like, Moonlight, <laughs> the sequel. <laughs> you know, and and that's why it's so important for me about that movie last night. Being so honored because, as I said, Pete, so many actors. I mean, obviously at NYU, I went to act, went to school with a lot of gay actors, white, black, and every other color and race and gender that you can imagine. And our biggest fear, many of us expect, definitely, was that our sexuality, our orientation, would hinder us from being able to pursue careers in this business, uh-huh. whether or not we even seemed gay, seemed, you know, effeminate or whatever it is that would hold us back. Just the thought of it. I mean, all the actors that are outed later after their careers are in motion, you know, the yeah. you know, the Neil Patrick Harris's, you know, who had who said, you know, that he was really upset that he had been outed without his permission, mm-hmm. you know, without his readiness for it. And uh Matt Bomer, who said the reason why he hadn't come out was because he had, you know, he was in um, coats or blue coats or something. It was like one of those, it was a huge show, television show that he was in, but he's just like, I had a network on my back. You know, like I was like, oh, I was holding up a network. I couldn't say anything. And 
thank God now he's come out and so many people have come out and it hasn't mattered. He's still got magic might. Women, women, women still swoon over him when he takes off his shirt. And men now, too. <laughs> like we didn't before. But, you know, and he's gotten married and adopted three children. And Neil Patrick Harris has gotten married and, you know, he's had twins. It liberates them in a sense when they yeah. do come out. I mean, Zachary Quinto was outed and, you know, they have to go through that, that moment where they're so terrified about their careers ending. So if you can imagine these huge celebrities terrified about their careers ending because they're outed, you can think about the actors who are up and coming and spending so much money at university to become actors and still thinking in the back of their minds, is it even possible? Because mm -hmm. that was always on my mind mm -hmm. and still is. I mean, it was it was on my mind when I was thinking, is it possible because I'm black? Uh -huh. You know, I mean, what parts are gonna be available to me? Yeah. I mean, my mom. Well, that, and you know what? And that gets back to me, just, I, I'd like your comment about this. Mm. So the Oscars and Casey Affleck and not acknowledging Denzel Washington, that was, a weird. Well, he did. Well, he said, yeah, he said that he was his favorite actor. Yeah, it was interesting. And then was... you saw they broadcast Denzel's face, and it wasn't like thank you for mentioning. It was he was. I mean, he said I met him for the first time tonight, which was like okay. <laughs> I don't know. It's <laughs> those moments always leave me hanging in the balance because I'm sure that Denzel was appreciative of the acknowledgement, but kind of confused about. <laughs> the sentiment, you know, like, where did it come from? And, you know, it's kind of like, was it authentic? You know, those questions always come up. It's, you know, because, you know, people are African-Americans winning all night. And it's, you know, it's kind of like, you want to acknowledge. It was kind of like how everyone felt like, I felt like many people felt they should say something about the political system uh -huh. and refugees. And, you know, I loved that, obviously, the Iranian film, the salesman one and the director refused to come so yeah. he sent someone to speak on his behalf and read and she read that wonderful yeah. letter and indicated that the reason why he wasn't there was because his country yeah i mean yes he can come in the country but, but him his family can't and yeah. six other countries cannot as well simply based on their theology mm -hmm. and the way they worship God. Mm -hmm. And it is, and I say simply, I know that President Trump would <laughs> disagree with the word. He would say, well, a lot of them are bad amigos, but <laughs> bad hombres. Probably would say that. <laughs> you know, and oh, so, <laughs> but you know, <laughs> it's like, there's so many wonderful people. And I, my best friend in college was Iranian. And I was so blessed to be able to go to a th his thanks Thanksgiving at his home in 2009 because I couldn't afford to go home myself. He, his family flew me to Ohio. Uh, and, you know, I got to learn about their story. His mom had, his mom and dad had escaped Iran during the worst part of the war. And she was pregnant. With his little sister, and he and uh, and he was small, and they had to climb under barbed wire to get out of their province, and then they got to Paris, and they're just their trip, their journey to America, and their never-ending hope to get here, mm -hmm. and no matter what it took, you know, they he mentioned that he was. He was too small to remember, but his mom would say that the bullets were flying over their heads, you know. And you know, I mean, so I, they lived to tell the tale, but imagine how many people did not, right. is what right. I always thought when right. you know, when I hear those stories, I think, oh my goodness, I'm so happy you're here to tell this tale. But obviously, you weren't the only one trying to do that, right? The, and they're not here, yeah. So, yes, he and they got here and they contributed to society in so many ways, you know. I was in Ohio with them and I saw how much they gave back and and his dad's an engineer and you know and obviously he's working for America and helping America uh -huh. become better and so it was amazing to me I mean the, even the generosity that they showed me 
you know, a, a gay black American male from Kansas, you know, they showed me so much respect and so much reverence and, you know, for appreciating even the invitation, you know, and that was amazing. So at race, I, I hate that it is something that is, you have, that we're so focused on, but it's so necessary to acknowledge that we're, as much as we're different, we have such a common thread, right. which is just to be, you know, loved and to love and to show respect, to get, res- I mean, it goes back to just the, what you learn in third grade, treat others as you want to be treated. And so while yes, there are people in the world who have negative intentions, we can't classify an entire race, an entire group of people based on the few mm-hmm. that, you know, have those bad intentions, like he's like the government's doing with immigrants from South right. America, et cetera. Right. You know, the deport the deportation rate is skyrocketing and I have a, a Mexican roommate who, or a Peruvian roommate who has Mexican friends and relatives who's terrified about it, mm-hmm. you know? And rightfully so. Yeah. It's not like any of them are the bad ombre. <laughs> Just, I can't believe he said that. And we still voted him in, but, <laughs> you know, it's, and then the wall. Mm-hmm. I mean, I understand border security. But to think, I mean, he just is obsessed with building things. <laughs> it's just, yeah, I mean, I feel like it's just going to say Trump Tower at the top. <laughs> so it's just, I don't understand why why there's such a need to target people. Mm-hmm. You know, I understand why there's a need to keep America safe. Mm-hmm. And I understand that there's measures that you have to take to do so. But in no way can I believe that that, that includes at ostracizing entire groups of people mm-hmm. and saying these whole countries can't come. Mm-hmm. The Syrian refugees, those children, oh my goodness, those children, the documentary one about that, uh, you know, the children who are still there last night and the documentary filmmakers asked everyone to stand to show support that they wanted the war to end has been going on for six years in Syria. And you just think, oh my goodness. And I'd watched one where the children were playing in a pool of water that uh, was created by a crater from a bomb. And they were so happy because they, they had a pool and they had water. And they were talking so just kind of non-emotionally about the fact that their villages had been blown up and their friends had been killed. And, it, they had it, it had to normalize it because that was their current situation, and leaving them there, I think, is what creates almost the I don't know the in, the incense and the anger when they get older. <laughs> you know, I mean, that's those groups that you know collect and and garner people to get into terrorism i think that that's how they do it they you know they 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 target the the kids who are the people who are suffering the most and they blame it on america and then because they can't even get out of the country even though they try to what i mean a lot of them fall victim to that i that's my view on it because and it's and it's important for us to be thinking about that yeah i mean why does it happen why is it why do people get you know, could involved into those groups. Like, what is the, you know, what is the reason? How did they get presented to? Oh, let's join. Let's what, join. What in. can we do to, in terms of treating each other well, so that that isn't as so like it isn't the case. I mean, like and, and, Jimmy Tripp said, or Jimmy Jimmy Campbell. Jimmy Tripp is a wonderful professor at NYU. <laughs> Shout out to him. But um, Jimmy Campbell said, I want to thank everyone who's here and the 200 countries we're watching that now hate us. <laughs> it's so interesting, but so true. Yeah. And so funny, but so true. Yeah. I mean, they're just And so like, let's all do our parts. We're at the end of the we? hour. Do, our, do your part. Can each we? listener, each of us, 
you know, do our parts to treat each other well, to learn, to be respectful. You know, I, I really appreciate what you said is that, you know, we all want the same thing to love and be loved. That's a common thread yes. through everything. Yes. And I think that right now more than ever, I wrote this down because Lindsay Lohan, no less, you know, is doing her part in Syria because she wants to change her image. Do it, girl. I mean, as much, you know, right. no matter who you are, no matter where you are, you can do a little bit and don't don't be afraid to help out. Throw yourself in there. Wonderful. Thank you, Tari. Thank you. Always Thank you, so listeners. much fun. And so long.